Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, ADAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen ADAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. ADAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. You are with me, Lucy Neuberger, for the next, well, however long, really. We can we can see, see how we go this evening. Uh, I'll tell you why, because... <laughs> My assistant head teacher, I'm sure, thinks I'm absolutely mad because I was trying to explain to her today that I don't feel unwell in that I've got, I haven't got a sore throat, I haven't got a headache, I haven't got a stuffy nose, I haven't got any of the kind of classic illness symptoms, don't feel sick, anything like that. But I just feel a bit weird in my body at the moment. And I'm not kind of quite sure what that's about. Yesterday, I felt like I had that feeling where I hadn't woken up properly and that feeling kind of stuck with me all day. And today I just feel a bit sort of weird in my own in my own skin. I mean, I think it's probably partly dehydration. I spend all day going on at children about needing to hydrate, needing to drink lots of water and then don't necessarily do it myself. And I'm fairly sure coffee and tea do not count as hydration, but we try, we try. So, uh, yeah, so not feeling 100%, but we're going to we're going to press on anyway because that is what we do here at Teachers Talk Radio and that's what we do as teachers, sometimes to our detriments. And I know I've talked about teacher masterdom before. I've talked about where we get to the point where we have no choice but to take time off when actually really we should take time off when we start to feel unwell so we can be back to it sooner. But uh with that in mind, it is also um, World Mental Health Day today. So I've seen a few things on Twitter. I've seen a few um, a few posts kicking around. And now more than ever, not that it ever hasn't been important, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it continues to be, I think, be even more important. Mental health well-being is certainly formulating much more of our work uh, in the classroom as teachers, but also for ourselves. So I do wish you, I suppose this makes sense, a happy World Mental Health Day. And I hope you are all looking after yourselves as we edge towards the end of this this first half term. It's gone quite quickly, hasn't it? I mean, I, I feel it, it, it has. I've actually got three weeks until half term because we take our half term at the um, beginning of November here. Um, because actually the 1st of November is a public holiday in Portugal. And I think it's done to kind of sneak in um, that holiday day into our half term so we don't take it as a as an extra day but I might be wrong I might be being I might be being cynical about that one you can you can you can judge as you wish but I think uh, I mean certainly this first half term has been um, 
has been tiring. I think that, I mean, we've been saying this in the wake of COVID that for the, you know, the years in the wake of kind of the, the sort of main pandemic years, it has been, it's been a different, it's been a different beast. It's been, um, it's been tough to, to kind of stick with it, to maintain that energy. I know we talk a lot about the, um, that our resilience is different, that just the way we handle life, I think, is is different now. And certainly as teachers, that's, of course, feeding into and dealing with children and young people who have been through the same thing we have in, in a variety of different ways. And it's affected all of us differently. And this is actually going to feed into part of what I'm talking about this evening, which I will get to. I know that I spend time going around the houses first, but I will get to this evening's topic, which is the future of classroom teaching. And I can see that uh, Nihad is already in there, who's joining me for a little bit later on. And I'm sure will tell me off shortly if um, if I have pronounced his name incorrectly, which I, I always live in in fear of. I um, I have a child in my class um, who told me in no uncertain terms the other day, because I have been guilty of, he's got one of those names that you can shorten easily. And uh, I've been calling him the shortened form, just offhand, not as a as a habit, just kind of, here and there and he took me to one side and said uh no miss i prefer you know the the longer version of my name if, if that's all right but he was so polite about it and i felt terrible because of course it is a it is a personal thing and you know when people get your name wrong um i i am acutely aware with uh with my my surname that uh often it appears misspelled and often uh emails take a while to get to me because uh my surname has been spelled incorrectly not not deliberately but uh it's one of those things isn't it that kind of <laughs> you have to be you have to be careful of and, and and mindful of um what else has been going on i feel like now i do these shows every two weeks i feel always feel like i think at the time i always feel like i have a lot to to catch you up on and then when it comes to it i sort of think oh it's all flown out of uh, out of my brain but um no, my um, my year fours are are muddling along nicely. They're as uh, as bananas as ever. We had um, photo day today, so we have our class photos, and these go in in the yearbook along with lots of other pictures throughout the year. And honestly, it's the smartest I've seen most of them look all year. We had the hairbrushes out. We had them adjusting each other's collars and things like that. We had uh, uh, posing practice and all sorts of things. And I thought. My goodness me, you know, half of you aren't aren't this well turned out on a on a on an average day. And I said, well, you know, it's 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 you know, these, these go in our in our year, but we you know, we we have to we have to look our best. I'm slightly concerned though because I've kind of I've got um, as I'm sure you all do, kind of a sort of rotation of of outfits that I wear as a as a teacher, and I've kind of taken to wearing these sort of fifties style dresses. And uh, mainly because you can't see up and down them or through them, as is the 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 creed when you are a, a female teacher. I mean, it, trying to dress as a teacher in general is a white hot nightmare. But um, I have, yeah, I have these dresses that I wear on rotation. But what has accidentally happened is that every time there is a photo opportunity, I appear in the same dress. So there is a photo in as you go into the school where you kind of have the staff photo wall, and it's quite clear I'm wearing this dress um i'm pretty sure that um you know when i've been photographed around the school because we have um somebody in school who kind of takes photos quite regularly to again for the yearbook fairly sure i've been in in that dress and then today in the class photos so people are going to think that i don't own 
anything else but I do I do I do rotate them and uh it just so happens that <laughs> I seem to be in this in this one particular dress every every time so I think the yearbook's going to be quite interesting this year or I'm just going to have to buy more dresses um what else has been has been going on I suppose we've got all kinds of things coming up I mean I have already got children talking to me about Christmas and checking Christmas books out the library. And I refuse to acknowledge anything kind of winter holiday related until post Halloween. And, uh, you know, we uh, I don't know about you, but we definitely uh, allow kids to to dress up in in school. Some like to some some don't. It very much depends. But uh, for the most part, they're they're already getting excited about that. And uh, yeah, the the. as soon as that's done, my dread is uh, always, and I am, and I've said it to you before, and I'll say it to you again, I don't like Christmas. This has become a kind of running joke, particularly since my time at Teachers Talk Radio. I am that primary teacher that has openly said, I am, I'm not anti-Christmas, I'm not Grinch, I don't spoil it for anybody, and I think, you know, you have to make sure it is about kids, but I do year on year when the song rehearsals start uh, sort of at the back end of October early November my a little bit of my soul does kind of leave my body and I think oh gosh I've got to listen to the same old classics for the next however many weeks and uh, you know I uh, have to psych myself up for that one but I promise not to be a misery guts I promise to to not let you all down I promise to try and find some cheer and to not get mad when I mean, luckily, my classroom actually has floors, not carpets. So as and when the inevitable glitter comes out, uh, it's going to be a little bit easier to tidy up. But I have digressed massively from the topic in hand, as always, as I end up doing um, in these in these shows before I get to the actual point. So let's park all of that and let's move on to today's topic in hand, which is the future of classroom teaching. And this Whole, this is a huge area, huge sort of topic um, that can go in many different directions, as I'm sure it will this evening. And certainly um, when I talk to my guest in a, in a few minutes time, I'm sure uh, his take will be um, will take us in one direction. And, you know, you might want to chip in yourselves, which you can do. You can always request to speak. Stop the uh, stop the ever um, increasing monologue that I tend to <laughs> I tend to indulge in so please do feel free to cut me off at any point agree disagree we actively encourage that at Teachers Talk Radio uh, because that is the whole point of us of us being here but this whole idea came about from something that uh, my fellow host Brent Poland who you can often hear on Education Tonight he also often appears on Weekly Review and he made a comment recently about people wanting education to suit themselves. And that resonated with me. I actually scrolled it down in my notebook at the time when we were when we were talking about, I can't even remember how, how that quote came up, but it made me think not so much in a negative way about this, but just what, what that means. It does have, there are some maybe some negative elements to it where education has changed so much now and there is so much that is demanded of us as teachers on a on a daily basis be it the hats that we wear the sort of proverbial hats you know I mean I'm sort of talking about from a from a you know one minute we are teacher next minute we are social worker we are paramedic we are all these things and all these um things that we do on a on a daily basis so there's 
there's that aspect. There's the ever-increasing technology aspect that we're having to do battle with. There's social media, AI. All these things have meant that teaching is ever-evolving, ever-changing. And certainly in the wake of, and I'm still, I know I still go on about it, even though we're trying to forget about it, in the wake of COVID, things have changed, things are different. And there are, honestly, I won't lie to you, there are occasions where I stand in my classroom and I am fortunate enough to, I say fortunate enough, I work in a very privileged teaching environment. I have only 22 in my class. I'm in an international skill skill school I can't even articulate this evening <laughs> I'm in an international school and you know from the outside looking in it, it seems like we don't have you know the issues that maybe other schools do and uh you know or go through the issues but they are there and they and they do exist and sometimes I wonder whether teacher standing in front of a classroom full of children as has been the way for many, many years. I know that what we do in the classroom, how we operate, how we are as teachers, you know, there's, uh, I mean, I know that um, children like to come up to me and say, oh, you know, my grandparents used to get a, a ruler across the knuckles at school. You know, would that ever happen now? I'm like, no, no, it wouldn't. So, you know, as much as we are still classroom teaching, there are obviously things that have changed and evolved along the way. These fads that come and go, I mean, there's all kind, all sorts of things that, I mean, we could be here forever going through the various trends, be it related to data, related to curriculum. Should we be explicitly teaching grammar at primary level? Should we not? Um, spelling tests, all, I mean, the list goes on. But we are still teaching in, in a very traditional kind of teacher at the front of the class, class in front of you way. And that idea has not, really changed all that much but is it sustainable anymore is it the way forward is it how we're going to see education in the future and there's lots of debates and things and pieces of research online and again as always I went down my research rabbit hole and I've got pieces of paper highlighted and scattered around me to see kind of what people's thoughts are on this and I know I said last week I would uh pop these things in my show notes I epically failed well two weeks ago to do so so I will make sure I will try and make sure someone will remind me to share these various articles and bits and pieces that I've found should you want some additional reading you might not it's entirely your call but um one article I stumbled across which is um exactly kind of what we're talking about at the moment is traditional classroom learning becoming obsolete and this is from somebody who is actually writing from a student perspective. And uh, he said, you know, he can't help but question whether conventional classroom learning is becoming outdated, particularly with the advancement of technology. And of course, the big thing at the moment is, is thinking about AI, chat GPT, how all that is going to be fitting into our fitting into our teaching, should it be fitting into our teaching, should it not, excuse me, <clears throat> um, how are we going to regulate it? How are we going to ensure that it's not used for cheating purposes and things like that? And I know there are many teachers and many people behind the scenes working very hard to try and make sure that this is incorporated positively, that we're using it in ways um, that enhance education and that we make sure that the children and young people we are teaching are being taught to embrace it, but 
you know, with with caution to the point where at my school we are now encouraging and I'm sure other schools are doing this as well. We've almost uh, well, we're about to have somebody step into the role of kind of AI lead almost or sort of technology lead where their job, their role is going to be to um, consult with other teachers and find out, you know, how what they're doing, how they're doing it, how they can support because we need these people now. We need to, uh, you know, if we are going to continue with our traditional classroom teaching, as it were, and all these things coming in, we need a way to to manage that. But uh, he said, uh, you know, as classroom teaching does have its plus points, you know, it's great to be learning from a teacher. Of course, there is that social aspect. But in the digital age is the idea of being able to study at your own speed and you know, create your own curriculum. I know that uh, out here, and uh, it's actually a, um, a global organization now that exists that uh, it's aimed at secondary students, and they do create their own curriculum and they do have online tutors and they can go to hubs and they do their learning like that and they pass exams and they are able to go on to uh, international universities and it's in place of traditional schooling in inverted commas so these things are popping up all over the place and I know that um, Tom Rogers spoke to somebody recently whose name unfortunately escapes me I'm sure he'll remind me uh, who works at a remote school so it, it's, it exists entirely online and uh, she works from home and that's that's how it's done and I do and I've said this to to friends and colleagues I do feel we are going to see more of this I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I don't think that you're going to wake up one day and all your schools are going to be closed with uh, with tape in front of them as such. But we are going to see and we are starting to see already this evolution of more online education now that we know that it can be done. Uh, and also these hybrid approaches as well. And this article goes on to talk about just that as well. Um, it sort of says, you know, despite the fact that there are advantages and disadvantages to online learning, that they believe the future is going to be um, a hybrid of traditional and online learning. And by combining both of these worlds, maybe it's an opportunity for learning to become more flexible, more convenient, with access to a wider choice of materials and also to wider resources as well. Because um, I don't know about you, but uh, increasingly, a lot of my resources that I use are online when children are doing research projects. It's I do try and encourage the use of books and things as well. But you find that they tend to lean more towards the iPad because it's easy to kind of Google something. It's easy. It's so easy to, to find that that out. But that, of course, relies on your access to technology as a school. And there are costs and implications that that come with that as well. And so I question whether you know it's difficult to know where to where all this is going to, to head and where it's all going to arrive at because certainly looking at AI I've kind of done my own research I know that they're now full-on conferences that are that are happening and I know Nahad's been part of some things recently where he's uh, written and talked about uh, various things to do with AI and trying to use it not only to support students, but to support teachers as well. And uh, so maybe we will end up still in our classrooms, but 
utilizing this technology and all these different things that are coming into into our world in a in a more positive way so i'm just going to try and get nahad on now i can see that he is there and ready he just needs to accept his speaker request so hopefully he is there and ready to go we'll give him one minute to just ready himself and hopefully he will get to us in a moment but while we're waiting for him to appear i wanted to well i can there's so many i do this every single time it's like when i do my my notes for weekly review i end up scrolling things in an excited manner and then losing track of what i want to to go to next because there's so many different things happening oh i can see good evening to you nahad you're there and ready to go how are you doing this evening you just need to unmute yourself hopefully he can unmute himself I can see that he's there. Oh, joys of technology. See, this is it. Even, you know, with the greatest will in the world, you want it to to do its thing. And sometimes it does not. But isn't that just part and parcel of the world we, we live in today? So, Nahad, if you are there, you just need to unmute yourself as soon as you are ready to do so. So. If we can get some help from admin behind the scenes, that would be great. And I'm hoping that you can all still hear me as well. Um, and that everything is going. I can't because Nihad doesn't follow us. So I can't actually DM him. So Nihad, it's on the bottom left, the unmute button. He's there as a speaker. He just needs to unmute himself. And I think that he's maybe not quite clear on, on that. So hopefully we can get Nihad with us momentarily because I can see that he's I can see that he's there. I just, and I'm sure he can hear me. I just don't think he's quite figured out the uh, the magic of Twitter Spaces. Oh, it's not Twitter. It's X now, isn't it? I keep forgetting that. Sorry, sorry, Uncle Elon. Don't mean, didn't mean to upset you with that one. But uh, I suppose while we're waiting for Nihad, I should remind you that teaching and the things that we do on a daily basis it is such a rewarding profession um but it does come with its share of challenges as we are talking about this evening particularly with increased use of technology with all the different roles that we have talked about as well um but that's why we have edapt and they're not your typical trade union but instead a modern apolitical alternative offering expert legal employment and mental health support they are protection without the politics. So they are always apolitical and independent, and they specialize solely in supporting individual teachers. And you are, should you ever need them, I hope you never do, but should you need them, you get a caseworker that is signed, assigned to you personally and is professionally qualified and ensuring that you get the best advice, as well as 24-7 mental health support. So there's a lot that comes with being part of EDAPT. Uh, so whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, and again, I hope that that never happens to any of you, uh, you can look to EDAPT for that support. And should you want to find out more, you need to go to edapt.org.uk. So thank you, EDAPT, for all your support recently as well. Um, I think we're still trying to get hold of Nihad. So while we do that, I'm going to just carry on taking you down my, uh, my research bubble. And of course, if any of you want to jump in and are able to, uh, oh, I think we are getting there. Nihad, can you hear me? You just need to, oh, you were nearly there. You just need to unmute yourself. Oh, can you hear me okay? Oh, yes, you're there. 
Good evening to you. You did it. Well I, done. I think I think I had a speaker plugged in, which was which was messing it up. Um, so I've just taken that out. Uh, sorry, not a speaker, a microphone plugged in, which was messing it up for some reason. But hopefully you can hear me okay now. Oh, I can. Yes, I'm sorry about that. So it possibly was that my instructions to you weren't 100% clear. Um, so I appreciate you persevering. And now we, we have you here. So, and also, can I just ask, am I pronouncing your name correctly? So the, the N is actually silent. Um, oh, is it? No, no, I'm only, I'm just messing with you. You were, you were saying, you were saying it perfectly. I was dying a little bit inside just then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I can't believe I fell for that as well because I was like, well, then if the N is silent, Lucy, how does that <laughs> just just roll with it? Just just go with it. You're not feeling great. Just just <laughs> smile and wave. So good evening to you. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, very well. Thank you. Good. Lovely to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Just um, before we get stuck into um, to our chat, can you just tell me a little bit about who you are and your current role in education? Yeah, so I used to be um, an English teacher a long time ago, and for a long time I've worked in um, edtech in a number of different companies, um, and I'm now the founder and CEO of a company called Vibble, um, which is a kind of feedback management platform to re reduce teacher workload. I've become very interested in AI over the last kind of year or so, um, just because of the impact that it might have on my business and, and the wider sector. Um, and at the moment, Vibble doesn't actually have any AI in it. It is something that we'll have to build into the product because I think over time, every product will have some element of AI in it. It's a bit like every business has got a social media page. Um, it's just going to become part and parcel of every, every tech offer. Um, but I've been involved in um, lots of talks on AI because of my interest in it and also, I think because my business is based in the Northeast, so if you've got a, um, if you've got an interesting education technology business in the Northeast, you just get invited to everything because it's a small place. Yeah, I mean, uh, my um, I didn't realize kind of how big the the sort of the the kind of tech hubs are, are in the in the Northeast because my um, or in the North actually in general because my my brother is um, well, it works sort of more in the sales side of tech, but he. Um, He's based in Manchester, and uh, apparently there's a lot going on. So seems to be seems to be busy up there. Seems to be things happening. So, in terms of kind of AI itself, when when was it that you sort of got well caught the caught the caught the bug, if you like, got got interested in this? Because it's sort of in my mind things like um, things that we talked about before, like ChatGPT and all the things like that. It sort of came out of nowhere, but. I'm sure that's not really the case, is it? So for me, it was earlier this year, and I wrote a blog about this recently, and, and I've, I mentioned a bit in the blog about where um, uh, where I kind of started this journey from, but I, I was speaking with um, uh, a man called Dr. Aaron Hamilton. So he is um, head of educational research at Cognition Learning Group, and he recently released a, a working paper with um, Dylan William and John Hattie on uh, the impact of AI in education. Um, and I met with him, I think it was in March of this year. And I remember talking with him about AI and just thinking, um, this guy's nuts. Like, it, it, I remember just thinking, this sounds so, so far away from where we currently are. 
but it kind of piqued my interest and it made me want to read more and more. And the more I learned about AI, the more I realized that I was just ignorant to what was happening with AI and the the scale of change that that's coming with it is really quite unprecedented. And I got invited to um, to do a panel talk on AI at Newcastle University a couple of months ago with Dan Fitzpatrick, who's the AI, AI educator. So he was like the headliner at the event. So if he was like Beyonce, I was like the supporting act. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting kind of being part of that debate. And obviously I was a lot more informed by that point, but even then I was still learning lots of new things from all of the different speakers. So we had lots of professors there from you know, Newcastle University, Durham University, who were specializing in AI or data in AI and talking about their perspectives and how it could how it could impact education. Um, so so, yeah, that's where my kind of interest has been. I've just I've just been a little bit obsessed, to be honest, ever since. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen Adapt to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. Adapt, supporting school staff, protecting careers. Yeah, I mean, and certainly from um, from sort of the the sort of look into you. That sounds like I'm stalking you on the internet. I'm not, but uh, yeah, but uh, this has kind of taken over your world in a way. But. I mean, obviously, you you used to be in the classroom, and you're still kind of sort of involved from kind of the the outside looking in, I suppose. But in terms of traditional classroom, I mean, do you see? Because I don't know if I'm being overly cynical here or getting ahead of myself, but do you see traditional classroom teaching sort of gradually winding down, or do you think that actually, you know, there will always be a place for the way that we teach and, and that um, teacher-pupil interaction and that the tech that we're looking at, the um, the AI and all of the rest of it is just going to become part of what we're doing and part of what we're embracing, that actually, you know, we're not all going to end up at home, you know, learning from, from robots. Um, so the full answer is I don't know. I think, <laughs> I th- but I suspect that traditional classroom education will stay for a number of reasons. Um, But I also suspect that there'll be a lot of evolution rather than transformation, um, just because of the different choices that we'll have available. So the first thing to consider is obviously AI. So at the moment, ChatGPT4 has a current IQ of about 160, which is around the level of Stephen Hawking. And if you think of kind of technological advancement, if you look at like 1995, when Bill Gates was on the Letterman show talking about how we'd be able to listen to like a football match on through the internet and everyone thought it was crazy and they were mocking him saying, you know, have you heard of radio? Why would you, why would you want to do that? 
obviously what he was talking about was kind of on-demand services, which as you know from Netflix and everything, Spotify has is, is, is massively boomed in the last um, kind of generation. But at the time, that was all new. Now, if you think of that moment back in 1995, and then you think of like 2005 when the iPhone was released, the transformation, the digital transformation that took place over those 10 years was just absolutely astounding to get from that point to that point in 2005. Now, the, the challenge with AI is that because AI advances so much faster than traditional technology, because it's not just humans that are affecting the transformation, that but the AI itself can learn. Um, and because it's so intelligent at the moment, and it'll get more and more intelligent, the rate at which it can learn will probably also increase. So it's not crazy to assume that within 10 years, ChatGPT would be 10 to 100 times smarter than what it is right now. And that's what people call artificial general intelligence. So to get to that point, um, it's it's a matter of time. It's a matter of when, not if. And when the AI gets to that level of intelligence, it should be able to do most things better than humans, like almost anything that you can think of. So rather than a doctor, rather than going to a GP, you would kind of maybe take a photograph of a rash and then send it to an AI and it'll give you a prescription because it would probably be much more accurate than a doctor and it's so much faster you won't have to faff around trying to make an appointment lawyers will be replaced accountants will be replaced most jobs will get replaced um the only jobs which i think will be quite tricky to replace is actually teachers because of a number of reasons and the main reason is when you think of education it's not just about learning it's also about childcare. so when you send your kids to school it enables parents to then go to work and to feed the economy and that need is probably not going to go away. Even if we got to a point where AI replaced all jobs and there was no more money, which is actually a possible outcome, by the way. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> even if we got to that point uh, where there's actually no point for people to work and it's just like a universal basic income, which the government just pays to people to just live because there's no need to work, um, there would still probably be a requirement for some schools because if you think back to the past, you know, uh, 17th, 18th century, when people were very wealthy, they would still send their kids to boarding school or to because parents need time for themselves as well. So there's always going to be that requirement for the students to be away from their parents learning um, for, for some people. And, um, and in terms of how that learning happens, because we are hardwired to be social animals, it makes sense to have that learning take place in some kind of, of a community, a bit like a school. Um, and if the learning is taking place in the school environment, it makes sense to have teachers and adults leading leading that, that process. So I think I find it difficult to think that teaching will be removed completely, but there will certainly be a lot of changes. So I'm sure you already know this because you were talking about it earlier, but see, homeschooling has been rising since the pandemic. Yep. Um, and private schools are, are, are struggling in different areas. So prep schools are struggling a lot more in the UK now. And I think habits are changing and in the past people used to send their kids to private school because they wanted them to get the best job or the you know the best results but now because of Ofsted and all the pressure that's on state schools there's some state schools which get just as good results as private schools so there's less of a differentiator between those two different value propositions for parents and more and more parents are choosing private schools actually because they want to escape the state system they might not want their kids to do the sats for instance year six 
um, they might want better SEN provision, which they can't get in the state sector. Um, so the, the, what the private school system is now mopping up is more variation of choice. And if we now have tools on the market which can deliver teaching and learning through AI, which, by the way, I think could probably um, uh, deliver learning potentially even more effectively than, than humans um, when, the, when the intelligence gets to that, that level, because it would be able to read exactly what different micro expressions mean and, and push people forward in, in different ways, um, then that might mean that some people would choose to learn through AI. But just because something is done doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And I use the analogy here of um, there's a vegan food company who created these, these vegan burgers that could bleed. You know, you would buy this vegan burger oh, and, you'd cook and it would bleed. And uh, yeah, exactly. So you're, you're kind of regale, regaling a horror there. And, um, <laughs> it was a bad obvious. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a perfect example of just because something is scientifically possible doesn't mean it should always be done. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And just because... Just because an AI could potentially get a student to get an A in maths more reliably and more f effectively and faster than if they went to a normal teacher, which I think is probably possible as well, uh, eventually, it doesn't mean that that should always be done. And actually, I think knowledge will be less valued as society changes from AI, because actually, what's the point? What's the point of knowing loads of stuff if AI knows it for you? It's like... We don't need to memorize maps anymore because we have a sat nav that gets us from A yeah. to B. You know, whenever I meet someone who's an, a different generation from me and they start a conversation with me about the A road that they took to this road, you know, my brain just switches off because I know that that's not useful information because I grew up in the generation where we would use a sat nav. So I almost just don't, my brain doesn't, doesn't take that information in. And it's the same, you know, for the generation that's going to be coming up through AI. If they know that AI can do all this stuff, actually, where's the motivation to learn how to read? Where's the motivation? To and the handwriting as well and things like that. Because I suppose as much as we're talking about traditional classroom teaching, we're also, I mean, obviously, it's kind of goes for, I think we're talking about curriculum as well. And what we're doing in this conversation is almost kind of blowing holes in traditional curriculum which of course has not changed really in a, I mean I know it's of course it does change in in but doesn't change in terms of I'm not articulating this well but it doesn't change in terms of you know there's still reading reading targets there's still writing targets grammar targets etc etc all these kind of very sort of traditional and inverted commas skills if you like but as you say the more kind of technology develops the you know, the need for these things is becoming less and less. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that that um, Aaron Hamilton, Dylan William and John Hattie put in their working paper about this, like a real existential problem for reading as a skill. You know, is reading going to become like Morris dancing or fly fishing? You know, is it going to be one of those skills that is quaint, that is nice to learn if you have an interest in it, but actually serves no functional purpose in terms of what you have to do on a day to day basis? So there's all these challenges in terms of, um, you know, what is our telos? What is our purpose going to be as um, learners? You know, what are young people going to need to learn in order to thrive in in, in the new world? And um, and I think that's going to bring some real challenges. But I think there would there's always going to be a place for traditional classroom teaching to some 
respect. It might be that instead of teaching um, parathetical clauses, teachers may be teaching um, art or, or dance or sport or, you know, things that are not easily replaced by, by AI. Yeah. And so, and so do you also think, I was just kind of going to backtrack to, to what you said, do you think our role will also become more, um, I mean, obviously it's hugely pastoral. I mean, I'm speaking from kind of with my primary head on, I mean, it's hugely pastoral across, across the board, but do you think that, that the, there would be greater emphasis on if we were to keep schools open as it were on, on that side of it too, you know, that, because again, you know, the, the, the kind of well-being and, and mental health. Yes, I know you're talking about AI doctors and things like that. But uh, in terms of, uh, I'm not suggesting that teachers are going to become therapists, but certainly I do find that it's, I mean, I know you can uh, access all kinds of, you, you know, you can speak to uh, a counsellor on the phone. You can, you know, there are chat systems that exist as well. But for some people, they want to talk to a real person. They want to have that interaction. They want to uh, you know, share their feelings with uh, with an actual real life adult, for example. Yeah, and it's exactly the same argument you know people made about people wanting to go to chat to cashiers at a supermarket instead of shopping at Amazon. Um, you, you know, I think there's always going to be a requirement for people to shift towards things that are easier and faster. Where I think teaching is different from other sectors like doctors or lawyers where they're providing a service to a person to an end user teaching's not providing a service to an end user because the service that you're providing is to the child and actually they're not the person who's deciding that they go to school it's a mixture of the government and parents uh, and a, a range of other factors which is requiring that that child to be in in school so it's a little bit more of a complex relationship than that simple transactional relationship that you'll get, you know, between going to a shop to buy something or, or, or like going to a lawyer to, to pay them for them to write a contract. Um, it's a bit more of a, a complex thing. And because there's more stakeholders involved, I think there'll probably always be a place for some level of traditional classroom teaching. Um, but yes, then it, it may be that actually um, teachers will have to spend less time teaching things like maths or, or English because they might go into the school and, and actually go through an AI program to learn maths for like an hour and then suddenly come off of that program and and then do a drama session with with the other students to kind of build that socialization um, and build that sense of community, which I think is is something that um, AI is not going to be able to replace very, very easily. Yeah, there's um, an article here um, that I've got that is actually from Education UAE that um, talking about the future of education is lying belong beyond rather traditional learning. And one of the things that it's, or two of the things rather that it talks about um, is the, the idea of, you know, the collaboration and those uh, kind of interpersonal skills, which again, I think AI would struggle with, but also the, the idea of a, of a safe space, because for a lot of children, and we discovered this uh, during, during COVID. Um, I mean, it's not that, so it's not that we didn't know before, but, there are many children who consider the school environment their their safe space and that place that uh, you know they go to to feel kind of okay when home is you know less stable or doesn't quite provide the, the sort of the safe nurturing environment that that it should. So you know maybe there there is um, still a place for schools in in that capacity as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a really excellent point, and that it also brings us on to like the political appetite to, you know, replace traditional education. I think whichever um, politician is in power, if they were to get on stage and say they wanted to get rid of schools, I think they would get a, a sense of outrage from people across the country because obviously parents are key stakeholders in in this decision and. And parents will always value human contact over machine contact to, to some, um, to, to to a degree. So uh, that that is a really emotive and powerful point, which I think would prevent um, a lot of wide scale change. But what we might have is instead of having like a state school system, an independent school system, kind of dominate, we might end up having like state schools, independent schools, and more home schools with these online uh, with basically like online tutors that can that can teach students for parents that want to do that or you might have independent schools that are set up solely with the intention of doing that a bit like um, like Elon Musk had one of those in in uh, in um, SpaceX built just for his kids so he, he built a school just for his kids that was using AI to, to teach his kids and they made it into a whole school for all the staff and then uh, once his kids went to um, got old enough to go to university he closed it because he couldn't be bothered spending millions of pounds on a school which his kids weren't using anymore um so you might have parents like him who who would like that kind of education and and now they'll have a choice to do that but you know that's likely still going to be the minority for there to be fundamental shift from to get rid of traditional education on the whole i think that looks far far more unlikely simply because of the reasons i mentioned about us being social animals and parents needing somewhere to send their kids and also just the teaching profession is one of the most resistant to change compared to every other profession I've I've been in. We still do things fairly similar to, to the way we've done um, things in the last hundred years. You know, the, the whiteboards have changed, and but it's still the same kind of structure. We still have timetables. We go into a classroom setting. They might not be sitting in rows anymore. They might be in group group environments, but it's still very similar to that kind of Victorian structure that was originally um uh, that was originally created so um i think it's a very very resistant sector to to change and um i don't think it, it will change completely i think there'll be evolution but i don't think there'll be a revolution interesting well Nahad, i'm going to pause you there for for the moment um but do stick around and um if you if you are able to because uh, i mean i've been sort of very interested by everything you you've been saying so uh uh, please do uh, continue to to hang out uh, on the show. But I'm just going to bring in, because something has piqued Mr. Taylor's interest. So um, it might be that he wants to um, uh, ask about something that you've said. So uh, I'm just going to bring him on and see what he's got to say. Good evening to you, Mr. Taylor. You need to unmute yourself if possible. Bottom left, Mr. Taylor, hopefully. <laughs> Are you on a phone? Helps to be on a phone uh, if possible. Hopefully, we can get Mr. Taylor on. Something something has piqued his interest, so hopefully we'll get to find out uh, what that is momentarily. Um, and because uh, I'm sure it's something, but just um, on a on a different note, my uh, my friend Hannah was uh, was in the space earlier, and she said something which I've actually pinned to the top of the um, top of the space. I don't know what is wrong with me being able to articulate this evening. And she said to me, uh, super interesting, interesting topic and uh, definitely agree that schools are going to need to be more flexible. But in my own class, I'm actually moving away 
from any technology. Uh, um, I used to do all key stage three learning on iPads, and now I'm back to good old pen and paper. So I suppose what I wanted to get to uh, eventually with this with this conversation was, you know, we're talking about the idea of incorporating all this technology and all this AI into our into our learning. Um, and I suppose it's a it's a silly question in a way. And uh, Nihadra, you might want to come back in uh, in on this, or, or indeed anybody else. But is it just another fad? Is it just another thing that we're going to kind of embrace, do all the things with, and then actually there's going to be, I don't know, a moral panic of some sort or uh, some kind of outcry where um, people are going to go, no, it's too much tech, it's too much this, it's too much that. Actually, we just need to go back and do it the old-fashioned way. We need to go back to pen and paper, uh, paper-based books, all of those things. Is that where – are we going to kind of come – not quite well. Are we going to kind of do a do a one eighty? I suppose it would be, wouldn't it? Back to uh, the uh, the old way, or are we going to? Is that is that not going to be an option? Are we just going to have to? Are we at the point now? At the point of no return now, where um, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. I don't know how if you have thoughts on that. Um, I think there's always going to be a, a place for writing things with a uh, with a pen on on paper. I know in the US. The vast majority of kids um, submit their work on a computer and they, they type up their work on a computer. You mentioned you're in an international school, but I know that international schools vary massively depending on whether they're following a UK curriculum or they're following the Common Core US curriculum um, and the way in which they're taught is, differs. But I know in the UK, obviously, it's quite typical that you do work with a pen and paper and there's research and evidence to show that, you know, that helps with um short to medium term memory actually writing when you're when you're taking notes whereas students that are typing things in they're not they're not activating hard thinking in the same way so there is a reason for that but the point is with ai is that it's going to be such a transformation that there's you know that we could be in a position where you could still be writing with pen and paper but have you know uh, an ai platform leading learning and be completely responsive um uh, it might be worth you know, checking out Dan Fitzpatrick's page on Twitter. And I think he posted a video recently about him talking to chat GPT um, and just having a conversation with it. And bearing in mind, this is chat GPT four, which got released. Um, uh, I think late last year, it's the newest version of it, but obviously in five, five, 10 years time, the, the version that is now being used is going to look like, I don't know if you ever played snake on one of those, old uh, yeah Nokia i am phones. old enough to remember that yeah <laughs> as i'm sure some other and like how i'm looking at you mark Cratchit. how you definitely remember yeah that. And, and how kind of twee that looks now compared to what you can do on a mobile phone For now sure. and how much we've like the progress that we've made now just imagine that's the progress from snake to like the mobile games that you now see on on a phone but you know times that by 100 in the same time frame and that that's the kind of opportunity and risk that comes with AI it's the speed at which it can develop because the truth is that the, the scientists and the developers that have made different AI platforms um, they don't actually know how the algorithms get from A to B they don't actually understand so when you put a prompt into chat GPT, GPT and it comes out with an answer it's not the case that there's someone you know like some smart developer who's programmed it to answer in that way the intelligence has thought of that themselves and they don't actually know how that 
how that um, algorithm has got from that prompt to that answer. That's all kind of calculated by by the algorithm itself. So that's the that's the challenge with it is when that those algorithms start to compound and, and develop, it's really hard to visualize exactly how fast and how far that progress will go. Um, but and the best way to to see what that might look like is actually to follow some of the people that are kind of really um, prominent in the field. You know, like Sam Altman, who's the um, CEO of OpenAI. Um, there's a great podcast on Diary of a CEO, Stephen Bartlett podcast, um, speaking to an ex-Google officer uh, about it. It's a two-hour-long episode. Wow. I've listened to it about four times. Um, his message is to hug your children. Oh. <laughs> so, um, You're not telling this to me, yeah, well, I mean, no one. This is exactly how I felt when I spoke with Aaron uh, months and months ago. You know, it was a lot for me to take on board because I was completely ignorant to to what was going on. I just thought ChatGPT was going to be something that was going to help support, you know, the work that I was currently doing and make things faster in the same way that current technology does. I just didn't understand quite how transformational AI has the potential to be. So we've got a question here from Mr. Taylor, who I think was going to try and come on and ask it himself but uh, we've got it posted at the top here um so go go with me on this will the future of teaching still treat education in a utilitarian view or will it become learning for becoming learned does that i think i know what he's getting at um but he has also i think followed it up he sort of clarified but i can't find where he's clarified it oh i think it's underneath um utilitarian as in doing education only to get a qualification or to have the skills to do a job whether existing or possibly existing in the future yeah so i think it'll be less of that because actually so the purpose of education at the moment is like like to some extent that utility i mean you have people that will argue actually it's not about that education is about um you know growing your values and and the your beliefs and the ability to kind of be a good citizen um, but there's certainly that utilitarian aspect to it you know getting the high grades so that you can then get to university along that kind of meat grinder until you then get into jobs until you pay your taxes yeah. until you eventually pass away and then oh, pass on to the next the generation is, uh, is right this evening you actually <laughs> made me because um one of my uh, kiddos today we were finishing off some stories that uh, we'd been writing with their an escape theme so they're escaping from a tornado earthquake whatever and he said to me he wasn't trying to be cheeky he wasn't taking them but he just said uh you know miss in in writing this story what you know what how is it going to help me in the future and I kind of gave him an honest answer and I said the story itself it's probably not you know it that's the truth it's 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 not but what we're doing here is we're you know working on your you know your writing skills the important you know talking you know being imaginative being creative we're building on you know a variety of different skills um and you know working on those and enhancing those and he seemed to be satisfied with that answer. I mean, he's only nine years old, so I kind of didn't want to go too dark. But maybe, I mean, I'd, I would be sad. We, we, we might if that would be we might be on the cusp of a true enlightenment era, you know, where actually humans have the freedom to pursue their highest kind of um, purpose to to be creative and and to create whatever they want. Because actually, if jobs are less required, so if you think of like. Years and 
thousands of years ago when you would have to go out and hunt to find food, most of your time would be spent hunting, uh, looking after the tribe around you, making sure everyone was warm, had shelter, you had food, you had water, etc. Now you can just go to Asda's or Tesco or whatever, and other supermarkets are available as well. Um, but you know, you could you can just go to those supermarkets, you can buy what you need, and that's like a tiny, tiny percentage of our processing power in, in the day. You know, we use a tiny amount of our energy thinking about that problem because that problem is just kind of sorted to a, to an extent. Maybe not so much since Brexit. You know, we've, we're, we're kind of missing a lot of fruit and veg in the supermarkets, but generally it's 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 sorted. So we're not really thinking about that quite so much. But um, you know, if if jobs are no longer that much of a requirement because a lot of that heavy lifting is taking um, uh, taken away by AI and there's maybe a concept of a universal basic income or something like that, where we're actually just given the freedom to do what we want to do. It might be the case that actually we see way more creativity coming out of um, uh, humans and the, the students that are going to school, it might give them free reign to actually learn what they want to learn because they're learning for love a love of learning rather than learning because they need to get a a um i was going to say a b but obviously it's all one to nine grades now so then they need to get a a six in gcse um english or whatever so that they can get onto into sixth form to to do to the, do the next stage of their education um and that could be a really fantastic thing you know there are real positive there's real possibilities for some amazing upsides from the change for the changes that are coming as well. I, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom no. whatsoever. So, let me, um, so on that note, and sorry to interrupt, do you think that because, of course, we have um, for a lot of a lot of children, a lot of children and young people, traditional schooling, going, you know, sitting in class with, you know, 30 plus children, often with just a teacher, rarely. I mean, I know that you know there are some classes that do have uh, teaching assistance and support and it's but it's very kind of all over the show. Um, do you think that there, that in utilising this technology and in um, kind of allowing it into our space and in kind of um, sort of making it kind of part of our or a bigger part of our curriculum, that it's going to maybe encourage more children to stay in school, have a better relationship with school than, than we've seen? Is there a scope for, for it to be really good in that respect? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean there's already kind of chatbots being created for, you know, for dating, for lonely people, so they can have communications and build um, relationships with, with chatbots, because you can kind of decide, um, there's actually an episode of Black Mirror that's something like about this, where... I think I know the um, one you mean. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's already, there's already kind of like technology for, for, that, for that, and I'm sure that would be very lucrative for the companies that, that do that. Um, but if that technology exists to create those kinds of deep relationships, um, uh, interpersonal relationships on that level, surely the technology can also be used to create really, really deep relationships with students that really understand student, the, the student, understand exactly what their needs and wants are and find a way to, um, kind of, I guess, push their learning forward constantly by being in sync with, with who they are. Cause obviously when you have 30 kids in a class, you can't always cater for all those students' needs in in in, in every lesson. Um, you know, maybe 
you know, say, I'm just going to guess you, Lucy, I'm just going to guess you're a really good teacher. And, you know, you have 80% of your kids really engaged during a lesson. I probably had about 5% of mine engaged when I was teaching. Oh, I think you're um, so short. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. Um, so, like, I think, yeah, um, I, I, there's definitely going to be scope for more personalised relationships with, with students and the ability to kind of build motivation of students. But again, what does a lot of that, mo why are a lot of those kids unmotivated? You know, a lot of them, uh, a lot of students are unmotivated because they fear they can't fit into the the worlds that they're going towards. And then they might be stressed about doing GCSEs and knowing that they're going to fail at them. You know, that's a horrible thing to do if you're going to school every day, having to learn stuff, knowing in, or believing in your head that you're going to fail. So what's the point of you going all the time? But actually, if if those kind of summative assessments are maybe taken away because there's no more requirement for that kind of knowledge acquisition, then, like I said, the relationship with school might be a little bit different. It might just be a place to really express yourself and to to kind of reach your um, your maximum potential sure. as a human being. Yeah, I mean, there's um, just one of my many pieces of paper kicking around here. This is an article I found uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, a bit I've highlighted actually talks about career talks in schools. And it says many students give up in school when they don't do well in particular subjects, which is what we've just talked about. And there are instances where kids who are not fitting well according to school standards have made it big in real life. Students need more opportunities in schools to understand how the world is changing, what skills will be trending to help them earn their living and what areas they need to focus on. They should get to hear stories of startups, innovators, problem solvers, volunteers and change makers. Yeah, I think the, the challenge with this is knowing what skills are going to be well, useful. So I think for years, pe people were saying, teach everyone coding, teach everyone coding. Um, you know, and one of the people that wasn't saying that was a guy called Andreas, Andreas Schreider from OECD. And actually, now that ChatGPT's come out, I don't know if you're aware, but you can actually, ChatGPT can code. You know, you can, I could make a website in about one minute using ChatGPT. Amazing. Um, so actually... What's the point of learning how to code? And the, pe the people that the tech top, the top tech companies are now hiring are prompt engineers. So they're English graduates. So people that know how to write really persuasively and, and correctly. Um, so that doesn't mean that everyone should now be learning English because the requirements might change. And it, what the point I'm trying to make is I think we put too much emphasis sometimes on what the market needs. Um, and you see people that are extremely successful in their own niche. Um, just because they've done something that they love. Mm. Uh, a great example of this is uh, I'm going to use the example of my wife, who when she was in school, she was one of the top ballroom dancers in the UK. And she didn't end up pursuing that. She ended up going to university. And she's now a teacher. Nothing wrong with that. She, she loves her job. She's a fantastic teacher. But if she'd stuck with ballroom dancing, you know, we might have be seeing her on Strictly right now. Um, yeah. Because that was a niche that she was really good at. But she didn't pursue it because sometimes you 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 worry too much about what the market is or what the job opportunities are and actually if you just find your find something that you really enjoy and you're really good at and you have a crack at it and um things kind of work out for themselves anyway yeah and it's uh, i suppose you know you're often i mean i know when i was at school it was kind of think about uh you know what you're going, what you can do, and how you can see yourself onto a career path that's actually going to ensure that you, you know, make some money and can sustain yourself. It it was less about you know entertaining the sort of 
random whimsical ideas that you you know you have while sitting on your sofa staring into space or whatever it is or while you're you know tinkering around with with lego or whatever it's whatever it is so again maybe i mean i suppose there's a wider conversation going on here about or just about schooling as a as a whole and uh you know the value in what we're teaching our children not just in terms of sort of curriculum and things like that but actually how to you know steering them and guiding them into into living their their lives i mean we're sort of getting into the very deep stuff here sorry i was a philosophy graduate so um uh my my uh my professor did tell me that at the end of my degree all my friends would would hate me or my friend would hate me um because obviously you just end up chatting about really deep things in in a in a systematic way so yeah my apologies no, no, gosh, don't be. I mean, I have a, I have a philosophy A level, and you know, you basically, it's, uh, you've got a degree in pontificating, <laughs> which you know, I think is, yeah. is is a great thing, particularly when you know there's uh, when you're having your brain picked uh, by by the likes of me on a on a Tuesday evening. So you know, <laughs> it's what a fabulous Tuesday evening. Oh well, you know, I appreciate it enormously. And uh, was it um, the OECD you mentioned just a minute ago? I think it was. Yeah, so... Because um, I've got uh, the um, four OECD scenarios for schooling. Uh, well, I haven't got the entire thing printed out because it was pages and pages, but I'm sure you've you've looked through through that as well. Um, I do not know that by heart. Not <laughs> if, by heart. If you can challenge me on I, that, I could hold my hands up uh, yeah, you're gonna, and you're say gonna be, I do not know that by heart. You're going to be tested now, but it's... Um, it's a whole... I mean, I have only kind of got the very sort of introductory bits here, but they... Uh, the idea behind the, the paper was to uh, look into a variety of different ways or look into the future of schooling, really. And uh, so they were looking into things like learning hubs, learning as you go and all the kind of pros and cons, really, of, of where they see um, the future of education going and uh, you know what it means for teachers teaching and teaching policies, what it means for, um, you know, for change in the world. Um, whether you know we're going to end up actually outsourcing education altogether there's I mean I again I will I will post the link uh, in my show notes to anybody who's interested in and is looking for some actually very interesting bedtime reading here I mean there's there's so much to get through it would be you know be uh, mad to go through it all through it all now but uh, what they're wanting to to look at is uh, you know is to kind of try and see into the future and try and sort of work what we've got we've got already but again as we've talked about really it is an impossible job because the rate and speed this is changing we don't know we don't know what's what's going to happen next but um now if i was going to kind of really put you on the spot here and i this will be my my last question to you because i appreciate i've kept you for for longer than i uh, intended this evening so i really will make sure this is my last one if you can where sort of in the next I, mean, let's, I don't know what kind of time frame to give you because again the we've seen all this evolve so quickly but I suppose let's go next five years for argument's sake in terms of education and schooling where do you see the kind of the real technological development happening where do you see AI fitting in um, in, in your mind kind of which bit is it going to gravitate towards is it education as a whole or is it going to focus on supporting teachers supporting students online learning where in your mind what's kind of the 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 big next step here um i think it's going to impact every element of of schooling um but the the first place there'll be impact 
I think will be assessment because of fears around things like plagiarism, um, using tools like ChatGPT. So elements like coursework, um, anything that's that students are doing at, at home, it's gonna there's gonna be a challenge in terms of identifying whether or not they're they're using tools to to assist um, their writing or their work. Um, so I think that that element will get impacted from a negative point of view in terms of schools trying to find out ways in which they can do assessment that isn't that's impervious to this to some extent. Um, and then I think in terms of teaching and learning, there's massive, massive differences. So just in terms of teacher workload, there'll be tons of tools where um, which show you how you can make kind of presentation, you know, uh, like teacher slides really quickly. I'm thinking I might do a video on this, actually, how you can link ChatGPT to Canva to make like 100 slides in, in a minute. Um, Gosh, you know, so sounds like a lot. That, that are all unique um, because you can do that. You can you can kind of. Um, speed up and automate that process of creating learning resources uh, and then there's the the ability to use um chat gpt or, or ai tools to engage learners in different ways so some of the examples which which dan uses quite a lot is you know students talking to henry the eighth so they, they might have a video of henry the eighth on a screen and he'll be completely adaptive so the students can ask him questions as if they've got him sat in the room and he would then answer um, the students in the style of Henry VIII. So that might be a really clever way to just in, really engage learners and bring people into history in a way which, you know, has not been done before. Or for modern foreign language learning, you know, um, doing kind of scenarios with AI where you're having conversations around, you know, buying bananas in a shop, but the AI is speaking back to you as, you know, in Spanish or in, in German, and you're practicing back and forth. So you're practicing those speaking and listening skills which is an area which is really quite hard to to um, to build competency in, in in modern foreign languages. But that's a way in which you'd be able to do that very easy and, and quickly and cheaply without needing to kind of bring a foreign exchange student over or, um, or, or kind of do a lot of scaffolding within a lesson. So there's there's lots and lots of ways in which it can impact education. I would strongly recommend reading that working paper by Dr. Aaron Hamilton, Dylan William and John Hattie is available for free. Um, and it's there's some pretty crazy stuff in there when you read, you know, things like human advancements with, you know, um, like being able to download skills. I'm thinking of like the Matrix here where they put the wire into the back of his head and he knows Kung Fu, um, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, it, it, when you see names like Dylan William and John Hattie on a paper and they're talking about stuff like downloading a skill into your brain. <laughs> Yeah, it's it like, seems like a while. You take it seriously. Yeah, you take it seriously. Oh, for sure. And uh, I know I said that was my last thing, but I mean, obviously there are. You know, we saw uh, teachers when you know when we all were pushed into online learning, really having to adapt quickly and learn quickly. And some were able to 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 do it sort of more more successfully than than others for a variety of reasons. But would you say this is something that you know we just kind of you know, don't be afraid of it. Just kind of read around, find what you can. Um, to you know, to those of us who, like me, are sort of you know very, very intrigued, but also a little bit kind of, oh gosh, is this kind of it? Is this sort of you know the end of 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 my job as a, as I as I know it? Because I know you said you had your your reservations as well. So yeah, I suppose 
what I'm asking is kind of it's more likely to end it's more likely to end my job than your job I would say <laughs> um so so I mean obviously I, I've created a platform to reduce teacher workload using using verbal feedback and my my platform is very much designed around teachers giving feedback to students verbally mm. through, through the platform now obviously we could be in a situation where AI could do that instead yeah um and that would make, if that became the mainstream, then in a, in essence, maybe my platform would become redundant. Now, I don't think that that would be the case for a number of reasons. I think feedback is really important to come from a teacher from uh, the point of view of that relationship being there. And also the best feedback is recursive. So when you're kind of reading through work, you're learning about that student and what you're going to plan for the next lesson, as well as also giving the feedback. So if you're going to take the time to read all the work then you know you may as well give them a comment as well at the end of that that process so i don't think it's going to impact my business completely but i think there's definitely more risk for me than there is for you as a teacher so i think, think teaching will probably we just have to be this, one of the safest jobs yeah i think it'll be one of the safest jobs it's that's out there look, i actually think different be, i think it'll look different and i think you'll have more people trying to become teachers because like i said Doctors, lawyers, accountants are going to be much easier to replace. Taxi drivers, you know, driverless cars, they'll be easy to replace. Um, those are the kind of roles which will be more likely to be replaced. I, I think teaching will be one of the safest safest jobs that's out there. Well, I can I can only hope that, that you're right about that. So you have instilled, uh, you know, I mean, I've learned a lot from you this evening. You've also instilled some, some comfort in me as well that I'm not going to suddenly uh, wake up without a, without a job anytime soon. And that is being, I suppose, a little bit, a little bit dramatic. But uh, I think it is one of those things that we, it isn't going anywhere. And we do have to, as, as modern teachers, uh, you know, uh, keep learning, keep, keep updating, keep, you know, professional development and all those things and I think that you know this is something that schools are going to have to look into as well to make sure that their teachers are equipped and are prepared to uh to utilize this technology in the in the best way possible so let's see where you, we end up you'd be fine if uh, if the teaching jobs went anyway because you've got your teacher's radio Teach, teacher radio experience and Holly Willoughby's just quit this morning so there's an opening there for you well I don't think I'm in I don't think I'm going to be top of the list for, for that. <laughs> but uh, but I appreciate that that's very kind but Nahad thank you so much for joining me this evening for even longer than um than I asked for so I really appreciate all your insight and you uh giving up your time this evening to uh to share everything that you that you have done so thank you very very much indeed and uh, i'm sure we will hear from you again soon and uh it's uh yeah i certainly uh you know will probably pick your brain in the future or certainly when i come up against uh, an ai question that uh that i cannot answer so many many thanks to you um and uh please do enjoy the the rest of your evening um and uh you know have some have some dinner if you haven't already or a, a nice uh glass of something i don't know entirely up to you but um no it's been it's been very very insightful and uh, uh, go, sorry say again i'm gonna say no thank you very much i'm gonna enjoy an apple crumble now so oh, I, I took jealous. the i took the privilege of making some homemade custard oh. and let me tell you it's a it's a game changer oh. that silky delicious custard it's amazing so um, oh, I yeah do have, that, i do have one more question though do you have your custard with crumble hot or cold Oh, it's got to be so. 
the crumble and the custard have both got to be hot. See, obviously. I'm a cold custard with crumble. And everyone thinks that's really weird. Right. I, I think we need to. I think we need okay. to end this conversation. Oh, now. Right, I'm sorry. All right. Well, that's. I, I tried. <laughs> I, that's it. I kind of. I, I. I offended you at the last hurdle. I was doing so well. But go and enjoy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, Lucy. Cheers, Dad. Thank you. Well, I had there who was sharing his uh, his thoughts, experiences with with AI and um, linked to education, linked to the future of schooling and uh, comforting all us teachers uh, in saying that he thinks that our jobs will be safe. So that is good to know. But doctors, lawyers, you've got to watch your backs, I'm afraid, because it's going to be you that are first for the chop. But I don't think just yet. I think we've got a little bit of a way to go first. But what do I know? I mean, I'm learning all the time, just like just like you are. So uh, it's been um, it's been very interesting this evening. But just a reminder as well that, you know, with all the challenges that come with this profession, um, you may need a union at some point. And that's where EDAPT come in. They're not your typical trade union, though. They are a modern apolitical alternative and they offer expert legal uh, advice uh, as well as mental health support. So should you ever need them, be it for a minor incident or something uh, a bit more problematic, then they are there for you 24-7. They will assign you a caseworker. Uh, who will remain apolitical and independent, uh, and they specialise solely in supporting teachers on an individual basis. So if you want to know more about them, you need to go to edapt.org.uk. So that's all the information there for you. In terms of the rest of this show, well, I think we've covered it all, to be honest. And I will make sure to post my... Uh, show notes for you, including that very long document that we mentioned earlier, which was uh, for OECD scenarios for schooling, because I confess I haven't read it all yet, but it is a very intriguing read to see um, how they feel things are going to go and where they feel education is heading. There's also um, a number of very good articles about uh, traditional classroom teaching and the pros and cons in this day and age. So I will get those out to you as well. In the meantime, um, Tom Rogers, I don't know if you're there and can tell me who is on at nine o'clock this evening, if anybody. So we've got Emily next, actually. Oh, we have. Fuck. And what is Emily talking about this evening? Emily is talking about positive pedagogy. Don't ask me what that is, but that's what mm. she's talking about. Well, I mean, you know, I have a personal allergy to the word pedagogy, but I am sure that with the word positive attached. Well, she's great. Really so I'm be... sure whatever it is. It'll she be... is great. It'll she be wonderful. Great. And she's going to be over on Podbean, right? Correct. Excellent. So that'll be Emily at nine o'clock. I'll be back with you in two weeks' time. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to chat to you about, but if you have anything that you would like to have discussed as a topic on Teacher Talk Radio, do let either me or one of the other hosts know. We're always look on the lookout for ideas or for different topics that we can discuss because Many people, many hosts like me, treat their shows as kind of their dream CPD, the things that they would like to to learn about. And being able to do that for free is is great. So being able to listen into all these different shows is fantastic. And if ever you want to be doing what I am doing um, and sitting in the chair, which will be your sofa or kitchen table, but still the proverbial chair, then do get in touch with Teachers Talk Radio. You can find all the information about uh, becoming a host through the Teachers Talk Radio website, or you can find testimonials from all of us, rather. But if you want further information, you can get in touch with us and join the club. It's a pretty great club to be a part of. So 
you know, I thoroughly recommend it. I have been at this for over two years now. It's been a long old time indeed. So, um, and with no plans to go anywhere anytime soon, because there's still much more to discuss and much more to talk about. And things are changing in education all the time, as we know. So, Without further ado, I'm going to leave it there for this evening. Have a lovely rest of the week. Uh, We're nearly there, nearly at half term. So hang on in there just for a little bit longer. And I will talk to you very soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.